Hello, and welcome to 2022. Welcome to this very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. I want to thank you for making our show one of the most listened to shows in 2021 on 620 AM, 1640 AM, 93.5 FM, and when you download us internationally through Spotify and Podbean, Jewish Podcast out of Jerusalem, the Talkline Network, iHeart, Apple and Google Podcast. And of course, you can always find it on cindyscorners.com. We have a huge show tonight. We have history-making women who are going to do a bang-up job as public officials, as proud Jews, as proud Americans, as proud Israelis. And we have a huge show. We have a lot to share. So welcome into my corner. I want to talk to you about the GOP in 2022. I want to tell you something. Don't take anything for granted. Everybody thinks that Republicans are going to win the House. They're going to take over the Senate. They're going to win every kind of election locally and statewide. And I'm telling you, I went to sleep in 2020 thinking Donald Trump was reelected, and I woke up and found out that Joe Biden won. Everybody was so sure that Kamala Harris could never be picked as a VP because she was from California. And, and you know what? Democrats don't need California for votes. Not only was she picked, but she is the vice president, and we could all agree that we wish it was someone else. So as we're talking about the GOP, we also have to talk about the new base of the GOP. And that is why I'm especially honored to have both guests on tonight who represent people I relate to, Israeli Americans, American Israelis, who are in America legally to help people from all backgrounds, appreciate the land of the free and the home of the brave. They both happen to be women. Another great base for the Republican Party. Both of them are very exciting women. They are both mothers. They are both involved in their local communities. And both of them are making history. The interviews with them are long, so I'm going to be short. So sit back, enjoy, and here's to 2022. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar stress-free and fast just ask joseph m from brooklyn remax iq made it easy no for sale sign i had offers in days i saved ten thousand dollars in commission and i was in contract fast if you are thinking of selling remax iq has created a smarter home selling experience 
Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to this very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. And we're focusing on Jewish women in the GOP who are American Israeli. And it is a growing trend all across the country. And with us now, the very first elected Ethiopian Jew out of Great Neck, New York, who is going to be a voice and a model for future Israeli Americans to look at and that they can partake in American politics. Mazi Philippe joined us as a candidate a couple of months ago for legislator in North Hempstead. Not only did she win her race, but she won it by such a large margin, it was overwhelmingly obvious that not only did she win over Republicans, but she won over Democrats and she won over independents. So we are just so honored to have her here. I'm going to be very fortunate enough to say that Mazi is a friend. I will be working with her throughout her, her term and that she really is a leader and has some really sound advice for women in the GOP. Thank you so much for joining Cindy's Political Corner and congratulations, Mazel Tov. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, for having me again here on your show. So you won, and it's amazing, I think two weeks or three weeks before the campaign, you gave birth to twins, and those were not your first children, and you were out there morning, noon, and night. And I think that's a big secret to the success of your race Tell us what it was like as a Ethiopian Jew running in a local election, being pregnant with twins. Oh, it feels good. At the beginning, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I had fears. I wasn't sure. It's my first time running, and I wasn't sure how it's going to end up. People had expectation. Um, you know, the chairman Cairo, the Republican uh, chairman in Nassau County, he really took me. He took a chance by, you know, saying, I want to, I want you, Mazi, to run. Um, even though they didn't have any really background experience. Uh, so, but he really believed in me. So when I saw how much he supported me uh, throughout the campaign and, and the local leaders in Great Nick, they wanted me to run. So they all had hope uh, for me to run and to win. So um, once I said, yes, I'm going to do it, I worked very hard. Um, you know, having five kids and being pregnant uh, with twins wasn't an easy campaign, but I am a big believer uh, when you work hard, you can achieve. And uh, I was lucky enough to get so much support and love from Gravenick and 10th District. Um, they gave me the hope um, to keep going. Well, that's just fantastic. And I should say probably a little bit of help with your IDF uh, training was not so bad either. If you could survive the Israeli army, you could survive anything. It's true. It's true. You know, my life experience from age 12, you know, living uh, during the civil war Ethiopia, coming to Israel, 
to modern country, um, give them serving the Israeli army. Um, so you become a strong, you know, like uh, teaching you how to get skills and to be strong and fight for what's right. So there is a very big trend in the GOP that is just finally getting noticed. And that is that I know this is in the Russian community also, but Israelis and Russians who are Jewish are very big supporters of the GOP. And I think a lot of that had to do with the administration from President Trump and his strong support for Israel. And of course, we know all his achievements. Nobody has come close to it. But now we have another administration that is uh, not so pro-Israel. It's very obvious. Uh, you have the progressive left, the socialists, the squad, etc. But yet Israelis are deciding they are becoming more and more vocal and active in campaigns. What is your message as the first elected Republican woman to American Israelis about our party? Yeah, so I had a really great opportunity to stay in the Republican Party, and I want everybody to know, um, you know, we have a room as a Jewish uh, in the Republican Party. Um, they are welcoming, um, so uh, you just have to be involved and uh, and. Uh, you know, when you show you really care about this community and you want to be a voice for the rest of the Jewish community uh, or for your local uh, community, uh, this absolutely is a good uh, place. It's a good place for us. So I want I want to encourage more women. I want to encourage more Israeli American to be involved in local election because local election is a very very important uh, election. Not a lot of people think they think just voting for the president is enough. No. If we have an issue, local issue, we don't call, um, you know, we don't call BC, we call here locally to our um, county and to fix problems. So it's very important to be involved. And I think I saw that in our last election, one of my goal was to tell people, your voices count. Each voice count. Go and vote. So I'm welcoming more Israeli um, Americans to get involved in local election and national election. We're welcoming everybody because you are also a black woman. And I mean, the the relationship among the blacks and Jews in the Democratic Party is so drifting. And you have to address both these issues. How do you tell somebody about being a black Jew and being a Republican? Tell me again, what do you mean exactly? Sorry. What? If you, don't, if you don't mind to repeat your question again. Okay, so you are obviously Ethiopian. You are a black Jewish Republican. In the Democratic Party, we're seeing a very strong uh, conflict among black Democrats and Jewish Democrats. The squad is very anti-Israel, and a lot of the black caucus is voting or speaking out against Israel, speaking out against American Jewish policies. So your win is a voice for black leadership to take notice of, for Jewish, for Republican, for New Yorkers, and for you are a model for people around the world as you've made history in your win. So how do you address that? Because 
I kind of that's like a, a big burden on your shoulders or a big honor, depend as your glass half filled or half empty. How are you taking that historic win? And what do you plan to do to uh, educate the public about, you know, your win? So I'm all about fairness. You know, for me, fairness is very important. You know, I want to be unifier, no divider. And uh, it's very important, you know, um, we as a community, as a nation, we are one nation, you know, under that. And even if you have different uh, ideas and different opinion, we still have to respect and work together. Uh, so I, I don't have, um, you know, I don't respect when people just going out and saying things anti-Israel um, or anti-Jewish statements is really, really bad. It's hurting my feelings. Uh, and instead of like taking like fake news from media and talking about Israel as a, an apartheid state um, and seeing Israel in a negative way, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. I want people through me, through as a black woman who is, again, who left Israel, uh, who left Ethiopia at the age of 12 um, from civil war and received and got amazing education from the state of Israel and become who, who I am right now with master degree in diplomacy and security and successful woman. Um, uh, this is Israel. I was, you know, I will, I will grow up in Israel. Israel gave me opportunity and too many Ethiopian Israelis um, to, to get great education and, and uh, you know, hope for better future. So this is Israel about, you know, when I was studying in Haifa University, I had at least five Arab friends who came to study with me and they were Arab Israeli. Um, they had the same opportunity that I received and the Israeli government gave us free education. So we can close the gap and we will be successful. So we can be successful. So this is Israel, I want people to be open and, and learn about Israel and, uh, and we should stop with them general statement about against Jewish people. It just hurt my feelings. This is unacceptable and I will fight for that. Well that's that is amazing and it really speaks volumes how um opportunities, the American dream, the Israeli dream, anybody could have it if they really want it. I don't hear the word entitlement in anything you discuss, you are about hard work. You're about uh, challenging yourself. And that's that's re- really the reason you won and that you will be a successful legislator. Uh, we have to talk about the fact that you did win on a local election because the truth is 2021, we learned a lot about local elections and whether or not it was school boards, whether or not it was you know, local infrastructure issues, whether or not it's safety. People are becoming aware that local elections count like never before. Nobody worked harder on an election than you did. I mean, you were everywhere. You were shaking hands with everyone. You were at houses with private meetings at 10 at night and at eight in the morning. You are also a role model of why candidates for local elections are so important. Tell us your feeling about local elections and what is going to be more important from what you've found out in campaigning. What is the top issue that local residents are concerned about for 2022 elections? Yeah. 
So Sandy, you're absolutely right. You know, when I start my campaign, I can tell you, a lot of people, educated people, do you know what other county government means? What's local elections means? What's legislature? You know, like how, you know, how, like how legislature can help us, you know, things like this. Um, so the first things we did, we were educating people that uh, we need to vote uh, in the local election because as I said, when we have issues with downtown, revitalizing our downtown or our businesses closing left and right, again, we are talking with Nassau County. Um, when we, when our taxes is too high, we again talking with Nassau County. When we have issues with the uh, police, uh, or we, if we want more police uh, present, we have to call the Nassau Police Department. So by educating them and telling them, listen, it's nice to vote for um, president, president election, but the truth is the most important one is here, the local one. So I felt after nine months of campaigning and educating people about local election, um, through the end of the campaign, people were motivated. People went out to vote for the first time in their lives. Um, young, 18 years old, 19 years old, uh, uh, grandparents that never, never, never had the opportunity, or they had the opportunity, but never thought their voices count, went and and vote. And I can tell you, people were taking picture of their grandmother voting for the first time, and sending me, Mazi, we just vote today. Uh, you feel accomplishment. You feel oh, here we go. You know, people are out to vote. People are understanding what what local elections uh, means and how important the vote. And the result, just, you know, as you saw, that November 2nd was a victory for us. For the first time in my seat, after 28 years, um, Republican won the election. So I have to tell you that you said that, and it doesn't matter. Of course, we're talking Nassau County because that's where you represent. And of course, Nassau County is now being watched around the country because it's one of the few counties where really uh, red really dominated everything. I think bail reform was a big issue as well as the increased taxes. So I know that everybody is watching Nassau County. But I have to say what you just said about police and educating and first time voters and the word motivation, it doesn't matter if it's in New York or if it's in the reddest area in Florida or if it's in a swing state. You're a symbol, you're a model, you're a campaign of what should be going on in all 50 states, in all counties, because people think that grassroots aren't interested. Grassroots are the key to winning. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I felt it. I saw that. I did it. I was I was visiting um, many synagogues and, and, the, and the parks and uh, uh, other group of leaders, Asian uh, uh, community here, the Indian community here. Uh, the young, the oldest one, everywhere. I just went there and I was talking to them about upcoming election. And so that's what we need to do. We need to give them a motivation. And the truth is, I felt, and, and I got a lot of messages from people saying, Mavi, you are inspiring us. I mean, you are doing it with five kids, pregnant, with twins. Um, if you can do it, campaigning like this, for us to go to five minutes, ten minutes to vote, Absolutely, yes, we will do it. And at the end of the, the campaign, as I said, the day I won the election, people were so proud of themselves. They did That's it. right. They did it. So 
And you said something very important. You know, even though we're Jewish and you're Israeli and you're Ethiopian, you worked with the Asian community. You worked with the Indian community. Issues are colorblind. They are not, uh, you know, restricted by finances. Everybody wants safety. Everybody wants quality education. Everybody wants the best sewage system, the best traffic uh, infrastructure built, the right affordable housing in the right way. Everybody wants this. There's different ways how to get it. But listening and compromising, we're not all going to agree, makes a difference. But you reached out and you got the support. And that is key. I mean, even though we're highlighting Israeli-Americans running for office in 2022 that happened to be Republican woman, your last statement says it all. It's uniting as one country and enjoying the American dream, America first, however you want to say it in, you know, whatever term it you feel. Mazi, anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Just, you know, keep uh, never, never losing your faith, never lose a hope. You know, it all depends on us. It's, our, our, it's in our hands. Victory can be done if we work and we come together, talk to each other, communicate with each other, and, and go to vote. Be involved. Because with me as a parent, I felt the obligation, the responsibility to win this election uh, uh, for the next generation. Because we are the voice for our kids. If we are not going to be involved, if we don't know where to lead, who's going to lead them? So we have the obligation. So keep the hard work. Believe you can do it. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely possible. That is such a wonderful uh, closing as we start a new year, as you start a whole new life as an elected official. We here at Cindy's Political Corner support you. Where can our audience follow you and uh, reach out to you? Uh, through my Instagram, uh, for Legislator. Um, you know, you can see my website there. But the Instagram is the best one, Facebook. If they're going to search Mazi Melissa Phillips, you're going to see it. I'm available anytime. I'm answering messages. And I want to hear my people. I want to hear the community. And as I promised in my campaign, I will be your voice. And I will work hard. So you heard she's a voice for everybody, but she's an historic winner as an Ethiopian Jewish Israeli American who is fighting daily for American values. And we thank you for joining Cindy's Political Corner. Hi, I'm Kevin Sorbo, and I always listen to Cindy Celebrity Corner, along with the amazing Cindy Gross. Welcome back to this very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner, meeting American Israeli politicians. The next one is Sigal Chatter, who is running for attorney general in Nevada. And her story is very interesting. And when she wins, she will be the highest ranking elected official as an American Israeli I believe from either party. She's going to tell us more about that. 
And she's from a state that everybody is watching in the news because both parties consider it a swing state towards their race races. So, Sagal, welcome to Cindy's Celebrity Corner, the political corner. And uh, tell us what it is like to be an American Israeli running for office in the year 2022. So thank you for having me on, first of all, Cindy. And um, do we call it American Israeli or Israeli American? I mean, I was born in Israel and I'm a naturalized citizen. So I don't know which which is the right term to use. Uh, because we're actually because we are filming and taping and we are based out of the New York. I'm going to say American Israeli, but. We are coming out of Jewish podcast out of Jerusalem. So, and we have a huge audience there. And what's great about Jews, it could be one of our positives or one of our negatives. We are the wandering Jew. We are all over the world. And that has been one of the ways we've been able to survive. But it's also been a downfall because we're not all together. So I guess that's up to the audience where you are listening from. Right. <laughs> Whether I'm Israeli American or American Israeli. So my journey to the United States actually um, started my parents first move to the United States in the early 70s. Um, they moved to New York and uh, they settled in Enrico Park in Queens. My mother was miserable. My mother grew up in a Mosheba in Israel. Um, and Tell the audience what a Mosheba is, because. Some of them probably don't even know what that is. I think it's a, a small village, right? That's what we would. It's like a farming village, we could call it. Um, and they my mom was very unhappy in Queens. So they moved back to Israel. And then in 1976, they were going to take a stab out of the American dream again. So they moved to Los Angeles for 10 years. And then, you know, that that bug that brings all Israelis home eventually, um, they did Aliyah again. Actually, it was Toshav Choser, which means a, uh, a person that returns back to Israel. And um, after three years, my dad decided that um, the best thing in Israel is the ability to leave it <laughs> and uh, decided to settle in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Las Vegas was booming in the eighties and my father's a developer and, um, that's how we ended up here and we haven't looked back since. So, um, yeah. Las Vegas in the eighties. I remember going a lot with my father on business and it's certainly different looking than it is today, but yes, it was booming then and it's booming now. And from a dad who's a developer to a daughter who is an attorney. How does she get from the story of unhappy mother in Rigo, Queens, New York? And if she was here now, she'd still be unhappy because New York is <laughs> terrible right now, especially for Republicans, to a daughter running for attorney general. So, you know, my parents, uh, my mother is actually, she's a registered nurse by trade, um, she was a nurse in Israel, and uh, when they moved to the United States, she became she specialized in cardiac care. Um, and my father uh, was in the entertainment industry in Israel, left Israel, 
when they lived in L.A., he got into the schmata business, which uh, any good New York Jew would know. That's the that's the clothing industry. And, um, you know, my, my father has an eighth grade education. When they moved to the United States, they both took ESL classes at night, um, worked during the day. So really for them, education was the most important part of the American dream. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's essentially how, uh, my brothers and I, the college was a non-negotiable, um, grad school was a non-negotiable, um, and what they didn't have as far as education and opportunities, they saw that available in the United States and it's every immigrant's dream, right? You're, you move to the United States, you send your kids to college, they become doctors or lawyers and, uh, you know, and that's where we are. And so that's how, um, the immigrant journey, I call it the American dream because that is the American dream. And it doesn't matter where you're from, from the, it doesn't matter your background because it didn't matter if you're Italian or Irish. I mean, my great grandparents generations earlier, but they came to America. They, they were happy and thanked. They kissed the, the ground when they got here. They're at the land of the free, the opportunities. They didn't go to elementary schools where they were given 27 languages to choose from. So they didn't have to learn English. You know, your journey is exactly right. It is. And, you know, and my, my father tells this story and we laugh about it because we essentially grew up in America. But when they first came to this country in Israel, there's only rye bread or white bread. And on Friday, they have the challah bread, right? Um, and my dad tells the story of how when he came to America, he couldn't believe how many different types of breads there are in the supermarket. Um, you know, these little things and all kinds of different milks in the supermarket. So, you know, but these are like, this is the American dream seen through immigrants' eyes. And I think that's why today, when you see this immigrant movement towards the Republican Party, it's precisely what they come here and they see from other countries that makes them believe that in America, anything is possible. It's the land of plenty. It's the land of abundance. And, you know, and today, when we look at how this country is going, um, when you walk into a supermarket and you see empty shelves, it resonates with this immigrant community. And you can't believe that this is America today. No. So you're running for attorney general. And first of all, I want you to tell people, because we hear the term attorney general every single day. And a lot of us, especially people not involved in politics, they don't understand what is going on with the attorney generals in New York, how they could sue Trump privately or Merrick Garland getting involved with suing parents. I mean, that has that in and of itself has resonated such a sour taste in Democrats, independents and Republicans mouths about uh, attorney generals. So tell them exactly what an attorney general does and then the second part of the question is why you are running for attorney general. So the attorney general's office really was just another office until Obama came to office. And that 
when you saw attorney generals step up to the plate and really take a stance. The attorney general's purpose is essentially think about it this way. When you have problems, you hire a lawyer um, to represent you. And the attorney generals are essentially the lawyers for the state, for the people of the state. So it would be the people of the state of Nevada that I would have their best interest. So when we look at different types of actions by attorney generals, um, we can look at anything from, we'll take the Biden administration, uh, because what you're seeing is a real aggressive push by Republican attorney generals to really hold this administration accountable for violations. Like when he came on and he, you know, he canceled the Keystone pipeline. Okay, that was an overstepping of separation of powers. Um, there was money earmarked and budget earmarked to build that pipeline, which was approved by Obama and it was approved by Congress. And he came in and he decided that he was going to issue an executive order um, stopping the Keystone Pipeline. So essentially what Republican AGs did was they said, wait a minute, you're violating separation of powers here. And it's the same thing with vaccine mandates and these mandates that we have overreaching. Um, the president has a the executive branch we know has the he has the obligation under the Constitution to take care of the people of the United States. When you're letting in unlawful immigrants um, come in, and essentially they're invaders. They're not even immigrants at this point. I'm an immigrant. They're invaders. And they're pouring into this country, and the president refuses to take care of this country. Uh, Republican AGs have done an outstanding job that really fighting and essentially suing. So it's like a lawyer on your behalf, acting on your behalf, that does that. So... And what issues are in your state in particular? Um, our state ranges everything from trafficking, from constitutional mandates, unconstitutional mandates. Um, the current AG is a very progressive AG. Nevada has the one of the beauties that I call as AG that we have is uh, Nevada's AG in, enjoys concurrent jurisdiction with the district attorney's office. So whereas this AG refuses to prosecute many crimes because he has a progressive agenda, um, that's where I would step in and I would have prosecuted many crimes. Um, the looters that we saw two summers ago, um, you know, I know it was really bad in New York. You guys actually have smash and grabs. Thankfully, we don't have those here in Las Vegas, but um, just the failure to prosecute. Um, and you see that all, all across the country with uh, very progressive attorney generals and very progressive DAs. So I gather um, it being that Nevada can in some depending on who you talk to can be considered a swing state. Probably voter integrity is a big issue in an attorney general's race. It is. Absolutely. Um, this attorney general uh, refused to investigate uh, voter fraud back in 2020. Um, you know, they, they punted it between themselves. The secretary of state said, well, we don't have sufficient manpower to do it. The AG's office didn't want to investigate. Um, we had some serious issues with voter integrity with the clerk's office the county clerk's office, 
And really, the attorney general should have investigated and provided the people of Nevada transparency. Because really, if you don't have the transparency as attorney general, then we've got problems here. And, you know, I always tell people when I talk to them, look, if there were no issues with voter integrity, the attorney general should have investigated it, should have investigated the county clerks. And if it would have turned out in his favor, it would have turned out in his favor. And the people of Nevada would have at least had that peace of mind. The minute that he refused to investigate it, just it, it plays into the idea that, well, what are they hiding? Why is transparency? So it's funny you say that because when people ask me, and of course, everybody wants to trick me publicly on tape. I always say to them, this was a man who got up at his inaugural speech and said he wants unity. The best thing he could have said was, you know what? I'll prove I won. I'll, I'll do a sample. We'll do a couple of states. You see, we won. And now Republicans will have to join in with me. He could have gone down as the greatest president. Right. But instead, with the fake media, with the fake bias around him, protecting him, with circling around versus bullseye in the middle, you have people now who are even from his own party that don't trust him and want him and want our VP less. Right. I mean, I woke up this morning and realized that I saw a new king in the Democratic Party. His name is Joe Manston. So all hail the king. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? I, you know, I'm very skeptical because I think that what's going to end up happening, because Democrats are better than Republicans at really organizing themselves together and not, um, you know, they'll, they'll talk a little bit, break up the party. But when a push comes to shove, they get together. I think there will be something. There'll be more of a compromise, but he'll end up, he is a Democrat. But you're right. not going to see that with all the Republicans. No, the Republicans, we have we have a systemic problem, the Republican Party. Um, I think that there's an issue of unity that, um, you know, what what the cause of that is or was, um, I think that's still a big question. But ultimately, look, the Republican Party, uh, one thing that we can give Trump a lot of credit for is that he energized a base that no other Republican could have, could have ha made. And still can't. It, it and, still can't. Um, I think the last time we saw such an energized base was Reagan. Um, I you know what we're seeing I kind of think this is even stronger because you have here people that wouldn't normally come into politics that are coming young you have record numbers of like law cabin gay republicans you're having now the hispanic base come in numbers you're seeing black men leaving the democratic party in droves they're not going I hate to say they're not going for Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis is is great in, in Florida, but I don't think 2024 is his yet. I think 2028 is. You don't even see it now for Ted Cruz. You don't see it for Mike Pompeo. You don't see it for Nikki Haley. But who can announce that he's coming out to Nevada and within an hour, 30,000 requests will be uh, made on e in an email? There's only one person like that. Right. 
Right. And, you know, and one thing, one thing that I loved about Trump that we really still see a residual effect from his, from his energy is that, like you said, I mean, there's people joining the Republican Party. Um, the Latino vote is incredibly on the Republican side now. Um, just the community engagement, the grassroots, you know, I was at the Nevada GOP Christmas party on Friday, and there's a picture of me and two other candidates in it, and it looks like a Revlon commercial. You know, you've got you've got a Colombian, an Israeli, and an American, and we are here for the Republican Party, and that that's the truth of what we're seeing is that the Republican Party today is what the Democratic Party was. 40, 50 years ago. It is a party of immigrants. Unions are turning away from the Democrats right now. Um, it's just this energy that we're seeing. And I attribute it 100% to Trump because nobody was able to manifest that energy uh, in American politics since I was, and I'm 46 years old. So, you know, um, th that that's the only thing that I could say. So as I also run a G a Jewish Vote GOP, and I did run for Congress as the first religious Jewish woman from either party, unsuccessfully because my GOP chair people were all anti-Trump. So the question I get asked all the time, and I'm sure you're getting asked it also, why do Jews vote Democratic and how are we going to get them to become Republican? Um. Why? You know, I, I used to say tikkun olam, right? I mean, if for, for your uh, non-Jewish uh, listeners and viewers, um, I think the ideology of tikkun olam is really that um, that's helping the world, that's helping the underdog, and really and um, the, the main tenets of the Democratic Party is to lend a helping hand, provide for those who don't have. Um, I think, unfortunately, the Democratic Party has what we've seen is they've they've parlayed that now into give stuff for free, take from the rich, give it to the poor and mandate that transition. I don't right? even think it's take from the rich, because otherwise Hunter Biden and his whole family, his brother would be giving money away like crazy. It's take from the middle class. Right. Right. Um, and I think people are, are sick of that. Um, so th I, I think, you know, there's there's no answer to why Jews or I think it's 75 percent vote Democrat. Right. Um, I and the writing is not on the wall for for this segment of the population. It amazes me because, you know, Israeli Americans were staunch Republicans. They understood that what Trump did for Israel was amazing and unprecedented by any other administration in this country. Um, but uh, there's no talking sense into that other 75 percent, um, because I, I really do think that their hatred for Trump was so much more than their love for Israel that they couldn't see straight. And well, I think they're going to change around. I also think Trump uh, had a little poor message to Jews. He only spoke to Orthodox Jews. The majority of Jews are not Orthodox. Had he stuck to American Jewish issues like businesses, small business owners, like uh, 
more merit education, and more American issues that Jews are affected by. Let's be realistic. The economy is tanking, and the majority of middle-class Jewish business owners, doctors, lawyers, accountants, they're they're falling apart. Their kids are now fighting with Black Lives Matter for merit placement in academic areas. It doesn't sound too different than Germany pre-Holocaust. Right. I mean, I I am very familiar with the Students for Fair Administration versus Harvard case. I've been very vocal on the position that I have taken on that case. Um, you know, it's it, it is an issue with merit. And like I said, I mean, um, as Jews, we're taught you you grow up and you're either a doctor or a lawyer. And, you know, your parents don't really negotiate that. Right. Um but and and to uh, teach your children that in order to be successful, you do have to have that ac- academics and, you know, and then strive for that and get to that point only to be told by Ivy League schools that, wait a minute, we're not going to grade you based on your academics and 12 years of what you just went through and testing. And, you know, but now we're going to give it away because we don't have enough. I mean, affirmative action is still alive in this country and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So So tell us what is the top issue that you hear in your particular race? Transparency is always the top issue. Um, Nevada has had its issues with corruption for decades. Um, and, and that's, that's really what people want is transparency from their government. So that is the number one issue. And when I say transparency, transparency gets broken up on whether it's voter integrity, whether it's contracts that are given to private businesses, whether it's kickbacks to government officials. Um, you know, Nevada is notorious for that, right? Um, and then another issue is public safety. People want to be safe. Crime in Nevada and uh, capital offenses have risen 160% across the board in the state. Um, and that's a systemic problem. I think that, that you know, um, the, the Biden White House says it's because of COVID. No, it's not because of COVID. It's just a sick, violent streak that our country has been dealing with for two years. And it started with the BLM riots and... It's tapered off, but it's still there. Um, So public safety is one thing. I will be very hawkish in criminal prosecutions. I will empower all district attorneys in the state to do that. I don't want to see decriminalization. I don't want to see cash bail. These things are, you know, I, you know, it's an issue. Tell us a little bit about Seagal, the woman. What do you do for fun? Um, I have two amazing children, so I'm a typical Jewish mother. I'm constant; they're teenagers, so I'm constantly helicoptering over them. Um, you know, fun is just, especially while you're campaigning, is just downtime with the family. Um, you know, I, I guess you could call me a workaholic. So when I'm not working or campaigning, I'm with the kids. And when was the last time you were in Israel? 2018. 2018. Yes. And who has endorsed you? I'm sorry. 
I can't hear you. I'm sorry. I promise that my team, after we win, my campaign team, we're all going to Israel. <laughs> That's great. I'm yep. sure there are going to be a lot of people that want to go with you too now as the highest ranking elected official who is a American Israeli slash Israeli American. Uh, who has endorsed you? You know, um, I've had a lot of offers for endorsements. Uh, I learned something really quickly in politics that, you know, I came into this. This is my first race. When you get endorsements, you also pick up enemies. So um, on the front end, I had a quite the wide list of uh, political officials that did endorse me. And then I learned very, 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 very quickly that with endorsements come uh, their enemies. I do have outstanding relationships. I'm essentially the Nevada GOP's nominee for um, for the AG position. There is no primary yet. Um, it's not too late for there to be a primary. But essentially, I started off very early in this campaign. Um, and for the past 10 months, uh, there has been nobody coming out to primary me. What about with the conservative, libertarian, independent parties? Um, nothing yet. Nothing yet. Our general election is in November. Our primary election is in June. Um, I've managed to build very good relationships with uh, a lot of libertarians, a lot of independents. Uh, one of the reasons that I think I haven't drawn a primary opponent is because I've been the attorney that's at the forefront litigating all these cases against the governor and the legislature when they shut down. So I think the people understand that um, I'm the attorney that's fighting for them from the private sector. And uh, that's why I've gotten so much overwhelming support in this race. Have you met any other well-known attorney generals? Oh, yeah. I've got an outstanding relationship with Ken Paxton from Texas. Um, Alan Wilson from South Carolina, um, Sean Reyes from Utah. Uh, you know, the, the Republican AG Association is really the most amazing organization that there is. Um, it's really like a brotherhood that we see in, with that organization. Um, they were very welcoming to me at the outset. I've been to three of their conferences um, and Nevada is a state that is up for play and up for grabs. Um, the administration in Nevada is a disaster. Um, and I think like in most of the country, what we're going to see is, you know, right now they're, the generic poll has Republicans at a plus 10. So, um, you know, and with all their shenanigans, I mean, they're even killing their own. They're eating their own. Um, Dina Titus, they just completely sabotaged her district. Um, you know, I think she was at a plus 20 something and now she's at a maybe plus eight. Um, you know, they're just eating their own. It's desperation. They don't know where to go. Biden is destroying the Democratic brand. And um, and I, I that's that's really where it's at. So one more question before we uh, give all the information to our listeners about where they could reach out to you, help you out, get your name out there and make history with you. So if uh, the man in Florida at Malago called you 
and said, Seagal, I'd like to endorse you. Tomorrow I say yes. Absolutely. You're going to wait 24 hours? You wouldn't take it today? That's when he's calling me, right? No, absolutely. Look, I mean, and and be, before before we jump off, what I, I want to do is, you know, um, I was asked a question about his recent comments about the American Jews. Uh, I was, I was going to ask you that next. And I want to tell you that as an Israeli American, okay, um, and maybe it's simply in Nevada, but I want to tell you that there is a problem with uh, the way American Jews have treated Israeli Americans, okay? They essentially treat them as second-class citizens, okay? We're not good enough. We're an immigrant community. We're not sophisticated enough. We don't assimilate, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. So when people ask me, well, why do 75% of the Jews in America vote Democrat? I tell them they don't even like me. So I don't know. Um, you know, and, and the reality of it is, is the way I describe it is, you know, most American Jews, and I'm saying most American Jews, okay, believe that if you go to a Jewish Federation gala once a year, um, Israel owes you everything in the world because without American Jewry, Israel wouldn't exist. And the Israeli mentality is that's great for supporting us, but it's our blood in the soil. You know, so and that's a it's it's a schism that I don't know will ever be able to um, maybe in two, three generations of Israeli Americans, um, you know, living in this country. But really, mine is the first generation. So I, I actually you probably missed the opening and I had a recent article on Israel National News about it. First of all, you know, the. Major media, the fake news media, gave a pass to Biden on you ain't black if you don't vote for me. That's not what Donald Trump said. He's questioning American Jews that own the New York Times, why they don't support Israel. Maybe it wasn't him that should be asking it. It should be the American Jewish leadership. But then again, like you said, Tikkun Olam and helping everybody but ourselves you know, Jews are the leaders of Black Lives Matter. They're standing side by side. They're giving up their businesses, the entertainment field. I don't see too many leaders in Black Lives Matter saying, oh, let's stand side by side with the Jews. After all, they stood side by side and hand in hand with Dr. Martin Luther King. They're not doing that. It's one sided. And his frustration is no different then the question I get asked every single day, how can Jews vote Democratic? It's something that we should be asking, not Donald Trump. He's angry. I understand why he's angry. 25% out of what he did for Israel. But, you know, saying what he did about Bibi was not right. Bibi right. had to recognize the president of the United States. I And I agree with that. You know, I mean, and to expand on what you're saying, is, you know, I always question, why does ADL focus more on fighting Islamophobia than supporting Israel? I mean, that's, and I think that's a legitimate question because I am in that community. Um, you know, but but ADL has historically come out and called Trump um, anti-Semitic. Well, if they focus more on, you know, things that are important for Jews, 
um, maybe maybe there wouldn't be that disconnect. So um, I, I hate to say, but on Trump's statement with the New York Times, I'm 100 percent on board with him. And like I said, and I mean, so I've am I. And I support him with it. And I'm getting a lot of feedback for my article on it. Cigar, where can our listeners uh, reach out to you? So they could go to my website. It's Chatta for Nevada. Um, C-H-A-T-T-A-H, number four, Nevada. So they could go on and uh, we're going to have some really interesting articles. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. Well, thank you for coming on to Cindy's Political Corner. And you're definitely going to be coming back on. And you're going to join Jewish Vote GOP and meet some of the grassroots activists because that is something that I am building up that is so desperately needed, and especially in in elections like yours. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that, the hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, And you can also listen to us through the TalkLine Radio Network. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.